my corner. I know. I, I I want to do the old school one before Ant figured out how to fade it out. Just cut it. Just a hard cut. Just a hard. I cut. love the hard cut. But yeah, apparently, I guess Ant is in the because they're saying why didn't Roland find them? I guess Ant was oh. in our chat. Hi, Ant. Either that or mind control is afoot. That's possible. It is. Ryan, how you doing? But how are you? I'm good. You should time out. Yeah, you should block us. I don't know what will happen, so I'm not risking it. That's fair. That's a fair point. I, I part of me was tempted. I'm like, I just I don't know what happens. That's a really. I wish we could just time out people of like, Aunt, you go in the corner on your chat and you think about what you've done. If Mrs. Money wants to weigh in with her growing number of boyfriends, that I will take that 100% because she's adding to her stable of lovers and I think it's beautiful. I mean, she's got like six or seven now? Yeah, it's growing. But it's good because last time they went to a Rampage taping, none of them were there. So I think it's just important to have backup wrestling boyfriends. So she uses the same theory for her wrestling boyfriends as wrestling promoters use for their roster, which is you have yeah. to have more than you actually need. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. And it's just funny because, like, Ant's getting in shape. He's looking good these days. He's dropping weight like crazy. He obviously has the fashion game going at all times. So it's just funny. Like, at his, like, peak attractiveness, probably, Mrs. Money's like, mm, I'm sorry. Tony Nese beat you to the abs and listed us for this event, so. <laughs> Tony Nese didn't just get the abs. He said, I'm going to VIP treatment you. Yeah. Yeah. He's He knows how to court a lady. I don't know if Ant does. How the hell? Ant's like, text me a link and I'll dial in. How do I text you a link? Yeah, stream your on the phone isn't great, but you can. But how do I text to him? I don't know. That sounds like a you problem. Doesn't sound like a me problem at all. <laughs> all right, sounds like an ant problem, but that's what it sounds like to me. That's fair. That is fair. Ryan, how's it going? What are you up to? What are you getting into this week? Are you excited for Saturday? Because we're gonna be Saturday? up here. What Saturday? The the pay per view we're going to. The old what full gear. What's that? Oh. You paid a bunch of money to not go to a pay-per-view, I guess. <laughs> We're going to full gear. We're living the sweet life. I might wear my my cozy. My little oh, snugs. Ooh. It's all plush. Don't wear it. And It'll get dirty. That's a good point. But I don't know. Yeah, you can check your DMs if you want to sign on. Check your DMs at your own risk, Ant. <laughs> yeah, that will get dirty there. I don't trust. It's Newark, so like... 
That's a that's a very fair point. But we're in the suite. It's gonna be like so clean and sterilized and probably a red carpet laid out and we'll have our own bathroom so I won't get harassed. Kate, it's the suite with us. That's a very good point. And those clowns from the Shining Wizards as well, who may or may not pop on tonight. We're gonna find out. But I'll tell you what, I'm helping plan their anniversary show and it's going to be a ball. Me and Kevin Rogue this Monday coming up 11 years. But not before Saturday. I'm pumped. I'm very excited. I feel like getting a suite is a great way to go, especially when I saw ticket prices for this. But I'm excited for how the card is shaping up too. Like I felt, I mean, the last pay-per-view was also marked by my dog dying, but I wasn't like particularly thrilled with what happened even before the press conference that ruined everything in the world. I didn't like the ladder match, which Mox called out later tonight or earlier tonight. I didn't like um, a lot of the booking I thought was just pretty awful. So I think uh, I'm excited for what we have mostly for Jeff Jarrett. Like he's my hero. So just nice to see your heroes in action. Double J he's our hero. We're going to take Darby down to zero. (sighs) Do you know what that was from? Captain Planet. I, you know, with you, sometimes have weird misses, so I don't. It's just The Simpsons. No, it's The Simpsons, Star Wars. That's not a weird miss. I'm just not a nerd. I'm not that breed of nerd. Yeah, I was gonna say you like wrestling, you like musicals. You're a nerd. Yeah, but like, not like in the sci-fi way. I do have suspenders yeah. that I wear on like a decent enough like cadence do you really (laughs) i do are they rainbow (laughs) no they're just black i've had them forever i've had them since i was in my like when i was going to metal shows i would wear them all the time well that's why you had them i I don't think they're the same ones i've had since college but i've been wearing suspenders to shows since college i mean that's why you have the suspenders because you were a metal girl and that was like a look yeah but i kept them even when i like stopped (laughs) going to that breed I, of show. I wish suspenders were in style for like suits still. Who says they're not? Society. That's fair. Maybe Ricky Starks will bring them back. He's got pearls. He's got his Gucci slides. But 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 but, 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 but he, he, he it can't be Ricky Starks that brings him back. And here's why. Ricky Starks can pull off anything. That's true. So he's only bringing them back for a certain class of people. The people that can do whatever they want because they're so good looking and cool that they can just pull off anything. I need like the dorky class to not be dorky, but like, hey, we're wearing these again. You don't think you're in the good looking and cool class? No, I am, but I feel bad for the peasants. I understand. I understand. You want the trickle down effect. Exactly. I I, I wait for the, the everyone else to get it too. I just think everybody should wear Snuggies all winter. But enough about Snuggies. Enough about well not enough about ricky starks though but enough about snuggies and suspenders let's flip in to some wrestling because we do have a lot to get through we've got rampage we've got dynamite and we have the pay-per-view card that we will run down though overall tonight i felt like it was very go homey <laughs> like oh so this was 100 a go home show but a strong go home like i was refreshing it didn't end in a melee oh look who it is i don't know if he knows he's muted but we're gonna I highly, out. I highly doubt it. 
VK Money, live from the show. You know, during the pandemic, he used to do, like, he had access. He would do shows from the ramp. He would call in from there. So I don't know why he got downgraded. Maybe maybe it's because Tony Nese was the one that left tickets, and it was, like, a different type of credentialing. But My question is, 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 is Mrs. Money with him, or is she? Canoodling? It's not going to work, he said. Oh, well. All right, well, then get off our screen and... There is, because this is, like, specifically for podcasting, it doesn't have a call-in feature like Zoom because it's not, like, for business meetings. So I don't think he can even just call it. I don't think there's, like, just an audio option but other than what you tried. But it's odd that it doesn't because it is for podcasting. Yeah, people do non-visual podcasts, so... Well, also, like, if I were... Just saying, if I were hosting like a wrestling call-in show, right? If you were hosting one, you bitch, you're no good. I, I, I think it'd be really cool if I was hosting a call-in show, so that you know, be like, hey, here's the number for this stream, and people could call in. That's true, but there's demons like, on the internet, so you probably wouldn't actually want that. You can get them out. You need a screener. You need a producer. Well, yeah. Again, it's it's. It's not for us or me, but I'm just saying you're someone who, listen, you do college radio. You know all about it. I do. We had people call from jail when I was in college radio. Were they calling for you? They were calling for requests, but like then they would start calling for us and it got weird. I want to talk to the blonde again. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. I mean, they don't know what I look like, but they like recognize your voice and stuff. It was not great. It was They knew what you look like. In their brains. I'm sure they invented what I looked like. It was uncomfortable. But we had good, like, adults that monitored everything when I was an idiot in college, I feel like. There were, like, two adults that ran things. And then there was, like, all student run. So I would... I've heard way, way too many stories to believe that those, the, those adults effectively ran things. I don't think you understand what they went through trying to run things. <laughs> There. We were a metal station associated with a Catholic university who wouldn't let us say devil driver on air because it was like too risky, even though they are a Christian band and devil driver was about driving the devil out. Like they, it was, I don't envy that position at all. It was rough, but we had fun. We had good times. Who knew it would lead to wrestling podcasting? It, it, you know, yeah. we all we all have weird paths. That's very you know, true. Mine, mine led me to a TV show talking about, you know, what's going on with my baby. You know. Let's get into last week's. You don't like page. my South Park reference? That's mid. That that episode was great. It's all right. I did put out a poll on Twitter. I was like, who? Would do a better job booking the underpants gnomes from South Park or Billy Corgan, and the underpants gnomes won ninety five percent to five, mostly yeah, on the, the ninety five. Mostly on the basis that they had the profits that figured out. Yeah, they didn't like, have set too, but they profit. knew profits. Yeah, they can work on booking, but if you're profiting as a wrestling company, you're in good hands, and they can't be worse than making Tyrus champion. All those we'll memorable. See. All those memorable Tyrus matches. 
I, listen, they might actually be memorable just for the wrong reason. I don't think I can name you. He had a match with Tenzai, and I remember it because it was awful. And that's the was only that the, ones I remember. Was that the beginning of when they teamed up? Probably. Probably. But we're not here to talk about that trash. Though mm-hmm. so I'm sure NWA will come up again. <laughs> Let's flip into Rampage. Uh, a decent enough episode. These feel so static when they're not live now. Um, and they had a tournament to put together. So it felt kind of like predictable. But it's it seems to be in its niche of like predictable but good wrestling. This was no different. I don't feel like there were any surprises. There was only one thing I had a problem with, which we can talk about when we get to it. But we opened with Brian Cage defeating Dante Martin. And what I thought was a really fun match, he won with the Weapon X. I feel like Brian Cage has looked much better since coming back. He's looked so much more comfortable as a heel than he ever did as a face. I think it was so stupid to turn it face. But um, I... I, I was glad they let Dante get offense in. I I don't know what's going to happen, though, because it's like they're pushing Brian Cage on AEW, but he's supposed to be moving to ROH. So this ROH stuff just feels like an anchor around the whole product. I think you know exactly who's going to win from both sides of the bracket, but in the finals, you don't know who's going to win from there. So that could get really interesting. But what did you think of the match that you saw in front of you? And are you kind of like, this is great. Brian Cage is back and looking good, but like, is he just going to not be on my TV once ROH puts up? So, match was great. Brian Cage actually works really well with small guys because he can move for as big as he is. So, he puts on a really good small guy, big guy match. The ROH AEW thing, he's one of the few guys, him, the embassy, Trying to think of a couple others where I'm like, okay, you guys really shouldn't be on AEW TV because you're going to be in our week. It's not against the talent. It's more like you're going to be off this TV soon, just in general. When people complain about like Chris Jericho or Daniel Garcia, I don't see the same. I don't have the same feeling. I know some people don't like that they have the ROH belts, but it's like take the belts away and those guys are still on TV and it's probably a similar story. So they've just added a prop. Whereas these are the ones that are like, yeah, you're putting them on TV so that when ROH starts, there's some pre-established come-look-at-me wrestlers, which I, I get the point. I think I'd feel better about it if we had an end date, if they were like, hey, in on February you know, 10th, we're, we're, we're starting ROH. And it's like, okay, I know then we have – they're going to, over the next four months, be building these guys up so that on February 10th – Yeah, you know, exactly. You your, right now it's like, when is that going to happen? Yeah, and I actually don't have that much of a problem with it, especially as we're talking through it here, of, like, Brian Cage should be in a tournament on television that feels appropriate. Like, a huge help of tournaments is that they can function talent in exactly the way that they are highlighting him here, right? So it's, we know he's not going to win, like, no foul play here. It's good to see him. I thought his match with Dante was pretty good. Uh, I think he's looked even better in the matches against big guys because I think he's probably not as scared to lay his shit in. But I, this was a, a fun enough opener. I had no problems with 
what we saw. And I'm glad it wasn't like an outright squash of Dante because they could have gone that route because we knew Darius is coming back, right? So uh, we will talk about his return later. But we move on to a segment that I thought was setting up something really fun, and I felt like they did it in a good way. They had Lee Moriarty and Stokely Hathaway setting up Lee versus Hook. Lee is like, Feeling good. He's got a couple wins under his belt. He wants to challenge any of the 947 titles that are around. And Hook just shows up and classically doesn't say anything. Loved Stokely hiding out behind Lee Moriarty as if Lee's like a big body guy of any sort. But uh, that is a really, really fun setup, I think. And a fun use of the FTW title of like almost a reverse open challenge. I I thought that was a a fun little setup here. So... This is in, this is the first hook not to say the first hook match I'm interested in because I've been interested in all of them but this is the first one where I know he's gonna win but this is the first time I feel like they have two guys they're equally trying to establish as young stars in the match that so they're gonna have to so even though I know Hook's gonna win they're gonna have to let Lee Moriarty look really good which I think is gonna benefit Hook. Because if there's one knock on hook, it's his match. Kind, his matches have kind of had a story. Lee's the kind of guy who could take that story to a different place. So I'm actually extremely excited to see what they do with this. Um, yeah, yeah, I can also hard. see them running that back. Like you have the firm, right? There could be some sort of interference or distraction that still doesn't cost the loss or something. Like I don't have a problem because the FTW A isn't recognized and B like is mostly open challenging. I think it would be fun to kind of have a feud around it. It doesn't mean anything has to get dropped in the process. So I'm with you. I think that could be fun. And the FTAW feels better on hook, not only because obviously the Taz thing, but it is because of the Taz thing, because for him, he it's the one where the belt, like when, when Ricky Starks had it or Brian cage, it's not that it didn't mean something to them, but you know what it would mean to hook. Of course. So taking it from him is like a personal, this is my belt now. I really want Taz, but he's been so good at commentary. I also kind of don't like I've not missed JR's absence on this program at all. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, which is like, it sucks to say, cause I recognize that he's a legend, but I think transitioning him into coaching and backstage and occasional appearances is the way to go. And I, I really love Taz on commentary, but it would be fun to see him kind of transition into this, pseudo-managerial or at least more of a presence in Hook's career path. I think you don't want to do that too much because then you're hand-holding him and he doesn't feel like a threat. And if he's going to go squash people in 14 seconds at most, like you really don't need Taz being there for that. Uh, but I'm I'm excited. I think that it could be fun. And I it's a win-win. If Taz gets involved and does commentary less, that rules if Taz stays in commentary. He's great at it. So I have no problem with that. But we also get a House of Black vignette here. They are reborn. They are cleansed, Ryan. They are coming back. I'm hoping this brings about Miro too. These are just so highly produced and so well done. Malachi Black has such a clear vision of what he wants. But I'm. we know we're getting the Elite. We found that out later tonight. Spoiler alert. I would love to see House of Black be the first people to step up to them, whether they return in Newark or on the Dynamite after or Winter is Coming. But like the first real challengers for them, I feel like has to be like House of Black coming in hot. Maybe you don't because you want them to win those trios titles when they get there. But 
I also think it could be not that crazy of an idea to have the elite win them and then turn around and lose them. Like, I, I don't think that they need it all that much. They kind of need it to resolve what happened. Uh, but I don't think they need a particularly long reign. Are you excited for the return of House of Black? And are you also hoping it brings about Miro either aligned with them or against them? Very excited for the return of House of Black because that is three of the most talented wrestlers you can have back in the company. Um, when it comes to the Miro thing, I want Miro to be feuding with them. I, in my head, imagine a promo where he, in his Bulgarian accent that I will not try to mimic, <laughs> goes like, I've been, I, you haven't seen me on TV because I've been waiting for you. Like, I knew you were coming back and I haven't left. Kind of like he was, like, like I think it'd be cool to be like, no, 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 no. I let you think I had disappeared when you disappeared, but I just waited. However, yeah. the problem is, if you I, go that route, you, you, sorry, but if you go that route, do you have him lose? I feel like you have to. That's kind of the tricky thing about all of them being off television. But you could also, like, we never saw Miro go it alone. It was always with Darby and Sting. So, like, you could have a situation where it's him versus Malachi, it's him versus Brody King, it's him versus Bud Matthews. I want all three of those matches so bad. So you could have, like, a, a trajectory of wins and losses within that. Maybe he beats Brody King and Bud Matthews to get to Malachi and they have a best of three series or something. Like, I, I feel like the beauty of House of Black, other than the artistic overview and the ability to root spooky gimmick in something real. Uh, the beauty of them to me is the versatility. Like I, I feel like all three of them are so different in how they wrestle. I think Bud Matthews is probably the best seller in the game, maybe up there with Pac. <laughs> I think uh, Malachi Black is one of the best strikers. And gosh, what do you even say about Brody King for a guy his size and athleticism, I, it's such a nice balance. And I want to see a guy who's as good as Miro against all three types of those guys. But I think that could be fun. Maybe it's to get to Malachi Black, you have to go through the other two. Because that could eat up a, a decent amount of TV time. And I think at that point, man, you could have Miro and Wardlow after that. That would be so much fun if he's still holding the title at that point. Or Hobbs, my goodness. Uh, you could have Miro and MJF, which you had called a while back of like the devil versus the redeemer, I think is such a great opening feud. I also don't hate the idea of House of Black coming back, Miro having nothing to do with it right now. They're so good at coming back to long-term stories and Miro coming out to return after MJF's big moment or coming back on Dynamite after that. There's so many ways they can go, but I, I did love your idea of like the devil himself versus the redeemer. It feels like it's sitting right there. So hopefully Miro gets it. Keeps saying the devil. So it would be awesome. It would. It would. Not so awesome, in my opinion, was Bandito versus Roosh the ending of it. The match was, of course, the exact train wreck you want it to be. Train wreck in a good way, just like crazy 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 high flying but also insanely hard hitting reckless but not scary reckless this all ended with the schoolboy of bandito pinning roosh off of a john silver distraction this felt like i was watching smackdown like i was earlier in the night this was the most wwe booking in the world the distraction finish that ends up in a schoolboy not for me but what i do like is 
uh, tournament loser still progressing a different story. Like, I feel like we've talked about it ad nauseum of like tournaments when done right, losers don't really lose because they're developing or furthering their own stories. Like it's, it's such a wasted opportunity when they don't do that. Uh, this is awesome. Like I want to see dark order versus, I mean, Roosh, anybody in the dark order versus Roosh all day. Stu Grayson. I hope his appearance wasn't a one-off. Like I really wanted him back. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I just did not like how this was executed. And I feel like we get these like weirdo endings on Rampage way more than we do on Dynamite. Yeah, they, they definitely saved the we'll see how this goes ending for Rampage. To, yeah. I guess maybe that's a good testing round. I'm with you. I hate schoolboys. Like I, you know, glad I said that. Schoolboys. I'm glad I said it that way, not the other, because the other gets me in trouble with the law. Um, <laughs> I just it's such a shitty shitty roll up like you could do a better roll up and i'd be okay with it it's just such a yeah. bad i don't mind like i love the story of john you know johnny hungy coming out after he said roosh bag which is one of the best insults ever um for him to come out and distract that works for me but what he should either hit roosh or roosh should have been hit with bandito's finisher and then yeah. at least it's like the distract i don't love the distraction into the finisher but I love it a hell of a lot more than I love the distraction into the roll-up. And I think that's more viable, too, because of how insane their matches are. Like, like Bandito and Roosh were going pretty hard. Like, the idea that you would, like, stagger into somebody's really hard-hitting finisher, I think, is something that's that's really fair. Uh, especially after as, as much energy as they already expended, the idea that maybe you're not, like, the most alert and ready for that is something that makes sense, but... I'm glad you're on the same page as me about that because I hated that ending. But a good match. Yeah. We, yeah, move... it, it, we always think of the ending over the match, which sucks because it was a good match. Yeah, and I think that's... Uh, it, it's unavoidable because that's where the story is like the most prevalent, I think. So it's unfortunate. It, it takes, for me, it takes like a really bad ending to take i know there's some people that get like very finicky about that stuff it has to be a like a pretty bad or a pretty repeated ending for me uh but this is like everything i hated about wwe i saw in one microcosm <laughs> i was like distracted dumb refs always which is an AEW thing a stronghold at this point and a schoolboy. not even an o'connor rule to your point no thanks but we move along to what was a match that will surely be shorter than us talking about it. And Nyla Rose squashing the ever-living fuck out of Kayla Sparks, <laughs> who is delightful. But we see the baddies come in and run off. I think this story, while the execution of it hasn't been my favorite, has done wonders in exposing the AEW crowd to just how great Nyla is. Like, assuming maybe they're not all on Twitter I think people are really, really starting to see her personality. I really want to see her break free from Vicky. There's no reason she should be working heel in general. Uh, but I I think this has been good in that there's been multiple stories going on with the titles and with non-titles in the women's division. And while this has been like a little funky and weird, uh, Jada's done fine with it. And Nyla's just so fun to get to see on my television like she's such a fun fun presence so 
what did you think of the squash? And now that the story's coming to a head, I guess, what's your higher level view of uh, what this story has been? I know you've been behind it. I've I'm been a fan of this story since it started. I will continue to be a fan of this story. Nyla Rose is hilarious. The, st- the I don't usually like belt theft, but when the the thief is very funny, it works for me. Uh, the match actually was to me awesome. Kayla Sparks is great. Everyone needs to understand that she's amazing. But Nyla doing all of Jade's moves, it's just perfect. Like Nyla is being the kind of troll that you can enjoy. Yeah, like, and like the whole idea is she's she's the champ, right? So she has her belt, she has her move set. She's been tweeting like her if you follow her. She's so funny. Uh so it's it's been really fun from the fact that not only is she hijacking the belt, she's like stealing everything about the champion that makes her like who she is in a way, which I think has been a fun uh layer to add to the story for sure. And then we close out the show with Orange Cassidy versus Lee Johnson. Orange Cassidy ultimately getting his 75th win in AEW with the beach break. I really liked the ending sequence of this match, and I liked the match in general. Lee Johnson's a perfectly reliable hand for something like this. I don't give a crap about uh, Cole Carter in the slightest. I don't understand why I'm supposed to. Uh, Well, you of all people should. No, he was inconsequential at NXT. He's inconsequential here. He's on shows I don't watch or not around at all. I didn't care for the Jeff Jarrett thing. I hate all of this. Uh, But I really liked this match. I've loved this Orange Cassidy title reign so far. I know a lot of people were concerned about, like, what does an Orange Cassidy title reign look like with this gimmick? I think they figured it out. Him continuing to try and steal Mark Henry's line pops me every time. I don't know how I'm still caught off guard by it when he's done it like three times at this point, but he's done it like in different ways each time. So it's just super, super fun. And at the end of the day, Orange Cassidy is a great wrestler. Even if you're not in on the gimmick, like the matches that he's been putting on have been great. And I, I like that since he's come back from injury, the approach with him has felt different in general. It hasn't been kind of, the paint by numbers criticism, I think, is fair that he was kind of getting of he does the kicks and he's fighting from underneath and that he sneaks a win and he does incredible wrestling in between the those beats of his matches. But they're getting a little more creative now. They're they're shaking it up. He's a champion. And in general, I just appreciate the best friends because it shows that like people who are just fun and cool can have friends in wrestling too. Like you don't always have to be a mean heel or hire people, like they're just best friends. So what did you think besties. of there, You just got to be besties, you know? But what did you think of this match, and how are you feeling about the Orange Cassidy title reign so far? So the match was good. Lee Johnson's really – I'm glad to see him back. He had been in, injured. I actually really like the heel turn for Lee Johnson. He, he's given a couple promos, which were better than anything he ever gave as a face. So, like, it's really helped him out. Um, I know you don't care about the factory. I get it. They are a, a staple on Dark, so I tend to like them a little bit more. I'm going to say this for anyone who has issues with QT Marshall. Watch Darker Elevation. No wrestler in all of AEW gets more out of the fans than QT Marshall. He gets chants against him on Dark and Elevation. Like, that's really hard to do. He is fantastic, and you can understand why he's a coach, too, because, like, the things he executes best, I feel like, are some of the most fundamental things that you see. Uh I was really impressed. He was on the Jericho Cruise, the first one, and I, th- I think the second one too. But 
that's such a weird environment because nobody wants to boo anyone because you're on a fucking wrestling cruise. Like, everybody's having so much fun. Nobody wants to boo anybody. And he was, like, generating a ton of heat. It actually was really surprising because the whole setup and the environment is so weird. But he really, really does draw reactions. And they're not always the most intense reactions, but they're always authentic reactions, and they're always pretty widespread. So it's not like he has to be the most dastardly heel that would almost be counterproductive to the fact that he has a stable with him right like he shouldn't be drawing so much heat on himself he should be drawing so much heat on him his stable he should be producing good things for who his stable is facing so i agree with you i think his value probably internally is very well appreciated but i think it's pretty easy to go overlooked largely because to your point these guys are on dark more often than not but he's great yeah so I just, I'm glad you even you backed that up because I don't, I think he'll never get the hit the, his fair due because he's always going to be seen as like, oh, Cody's self hired. It's like, no, no, no. He actually is really. <laughs> anyway, Orange Cassidy's awesome. His, like you said, you described it perfectly. His return to his injury, he's taken the best parts of those cat, that character and worked with it. You know, he'll still do the, the slaw style, but now it's done within like, you can see he, He's he's fucking with his opponent. He's not doing it for just to be sloth. Like you could see the whole strategy behind it. Um, has the Atlantic all Atlantic become the new TNT? Because it's the one being defended the most, just in open challenges. I mean, he accepts everyone's challenge. Yeah, and like in triple threats too. Like he's had a few triple threats. I liked that this wasn't one because I think triple threats overall are stupid, but it's a great way to get more talent on TV. And for the type of champion they're building him out to be, I think it's really fun of just like, hey, I'm going to fight you guys for this thing is a blast to me. It kind of is. Um, I don't know if the TNT, while it was more frequently defended, it wasn't always so open title to me. I guess because the most memorable matches, I feel like were more feud oriented and i mean you could say what miro did was open challenges but it was really him just squashing the fuck out of people yep. so, but, but i mean you're cody right with the was frequency. the king of op- cody was the king of the open challenge though sure it's how we got eddie kingston it's how we got starks like but i mean the frequency the open challenges i mean tnt was the title you saw defended all the time and now it's the all atlantic says that's defended all the time yeah, I mean, what my hope is, is that that's not the case as much anymore. Uh, I think it would be cool if the Atlantic title was like the mainstay on Rampage and outside of the company in a more ambassadorial role. Uh, and the TNT title was the dynamite stronghold. I think it's important that both are present and I don't want the Atlantic title to overpower the TNT title because it is supposed to be like a step down in a sense. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this Wardlow reign has not been very good and it's no fault of his. They just, he had some open challenges and they didn't really build out any stories. And then he's been an attack team and people like, I get all this feedback of like, Oh, it's like the two man power trip. And you weren't watching that. And I'm like, all right, but I have ever heard of wrestling. So I'm familiar with the two man power trip. And part of the two man power trip was that you were, like an active champion on both sides of that, that you were a tag champion and a singles champion and you had all of the belts and they were all important. Um, and I'd argue but, the two-man power trip gets looked back 
with the lens of nostalgia. I don't think it was as popular at the time as people want to believe it was. That's probably fair. I think, yeah, I think it's uh, nostalgia and the talent who were involved with that obviously were great. Um, but I also like different company, different show, different talent. Where we're different getting time. to different time period, thank God. Uh, where we're getting to now, I'm excited about. I think Samoa Joe working heel rules. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I think, uh, and I, th- I think Wardlow needed a counterpart like Samoa Joe to, to help this along a little bit. But I feel like this, this title reign has been waffling a little bit. So hopefully some new energy, either Wardlow gets booked better or Hobbs wins. But that was our last match of Rampage. I don't think Kate, I missed it. Kate, please read, read the screen, please. Chris Mueller has said that Ryan is right. Look, if you're going to admit that he's right, please at least call him by his name, Frodo. But we are going to move on. From you don't know what that means. I don't, I don't understand Simpsons references either, but I still make them sometimes. <laughs> but that takes us out of Rampage, and we're going to dive into Dynamite. But before we do that, Ryan, me and my snugs, and you are going to take a little break. But before we do even that, we're going to remind you to go to our link tree and our social media handle, Mark Order Pod, pretty much everywhere you can find us on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Go to the link tree. And darn it, if you don't have Mark Order stickers by now, you are just not cool. And don't you want to be cool? If you want to be cool, fill out the form, get your free stickers. Ant's not here, so I'm not going to do the gimmick where I pretend that it costs anything. It really costs nothing. You got a fun little, like, initiation letter to the mark order when you get your stickers. Or, if you happen to be in Newark this weekend, find us, please. We will give you stickers in person, but don't come to the suite, because that's just, like, a little... Just find Kate. Don't find the rest of us. Nope. Nope. Find Ant specifically. He will have the stickers. Yes. Find Ant. He will probably be wearing something very noticeable. So yes, funny. he will be wearing something. I'll say it. He'll be wearing something flashy. But I don't want to do that to Mrs. Money. So find Matt. Matt of the Shining no, Wizards and no, Mark. I don't want to do that to the people finding free Matt. Free Jack and Coke's in. Find Matt. <laughs> no, but sincerely feel free uh, to request stickers. We love to send them to you. Ant does a great job and, and we'll get those out to you as soon as he possibly can. And if you can follow us on social media, that is the best free way to support us. There's plenty more ways to coming down the pike that you can support us. But if you can also leave a thumbs up on this video to help people find us in the algorithms, or if you are listening in podcast form, if you could rate and subscribe, that means the world to us. We're just, a, we're just a boy and a girl standing in front of a podcast audience asking you to subscribe but we're also part of the shining wizards network and this monday it's the seven year anniversary of said network and i'm planning a show to help the them out. anniversary i'm sorry did i say seven they're you at did. 700 episodes and 11 years that i do that all the time in my brain 11 11 baby 11 catch yourself a slurpee tune in on monday some really fun guests, some really fun gags that they don't know about. They know nothing about the show. It's just me and Kevin Rogue of Duke and Rogue Podcast uh, planning all this out for them. But we are a part of their network for the time being. Until the merger is complete. Until we 
get TV and, and big name talent even bigger than us. Uh, but no such thing. There are a lot of shows on the Shining Wizards Network. We are fans of a few. We are not such big fans of other ones. We're going to play a commercial break. And if you guys want to keep score at home, if you want to keep a tally and let us know what ones you think we like and what ones we don't, we will field your answers after this commercial break. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens, and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air, day and night. This station and hundreds of other radio and TV stations throughout this part of the country are pooling their resources through an emergency network hookup to keep you informed of all developments. Horns up, everyone. When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure every Friday to check out Radioactive Metal. Radioactive Metal is one of the longest-running podcasts on the interweb, and every week we bring you a fistful of metal, including interviews with all your favorite artists, discuss all the metal news, and feature the best tunes on the air today. So grab a Lemmy, join your cool Uncle Snowy, and co-host Aaron in the pit. Your recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting from the current to the way back. Join the impact player Phil Rea and the Portuguese Man of War Choppy for the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Live every week on RantEMRadio.com. Get all our episodes over at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audio Boom, Google Play, ShiningWizardsNetwork.com, and TurnbuckleThrowbacks.com. Are you tired of being told what to think and believe by Hollywood elites and politicians who just don't care about you? Tired of not getting the truth when you watch the news? Tired of trying to figure out what pronoun to use? Tired of mob mentality when all you want to do is think for yourself and make up your own mind? That's where we come in. This is Justin. And Vince. Your host of Inconclusive Breakdown. We are a weekly anti-PC podcast bringing you entertainment and current event news without any spin. If you want to truly stay informed on what's going on in the world, then give us a listen every Sunday, anywhere you get podcasts, at least till Zuckerberg and Twitter Jack deplatform us. And as always, we're proud members of the Shining Wizards Network. Tired of the PC police telling you what you can and cannot say? Want a show that travels back to the 80s and 90s where the badass hosts have beaten down cancel culture on three separate occasions and carried on to gloat about it? Since 2013, The Midnight Journey is that show. Travel back to the malls and arcades, pop in your VHS, and join us where the 80s and 90s return from the dead. Conan, tell them where to find us. WLWstudios.com, home of the Midnight Jury podcast, hosted by Midnight Mike and Calvin Brody. 
also available on all major podcast platforms via the Shining Wizards Network, and join in the conversation on Twitter at Midnight Jury. What's up, wrestling fans? You want something awesome? Check out Wrestling Night in Canada here on the Shining Wizards Network, where three Canadian metalheads uniting for the love of pro wrestling. Every episode, we go over all the latest news and special events with the odd, unique interview as well. So grab a cold one and check out Wrestling Night in Canada, eh? I'm eating my mozzarella sticks. I sent it in the chat, but I really wish I was a meaner person. I would would have put you full screen so quickly. Well, I can control whether or not I'm on the. I could just. Yeah, but you weren't paying cam. attention. You had. Your... I was paying close enough attention. I know who you are. You think I wasn't watching out for that shit? Please. Oh, oh, and uh, Doc, you would be guess. You would be right on your guesses. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to eat these mozzarella sticks now. Whatever you're trying to shame me into, I'm just going to do. So good. What else? You have something else, though, right? I destroyed some mac and cheese. It was the mac and cheese you were eating. And you mm-hmm. had your hand. And I was like, if I put it on now, she can't stop this. Oh, I was looking up. I I know who you are. I know what I'm up to. I didn't do it, though. I, I also know. thought when you walked away, I should hop back on stream and kill the commercial and just start talking trash <laughs> Rude. Rude. But I'm glad you didn't because you're right. Doc managed to somehow, by using context clues, figure out which shows maybe we're not such a big fan of. But there's some exciting changes. I guess we won't have to call certain police on him. Oh, thank God, because I'm tired of the PC police, man. I just never know what pronoun to use. It's so complicated. Dorky shit. (laughs) but we're not here to bury the network kind of we're here to talk about tonight's episode of AEW dynamite which i thought was pretty strong for a go home what were your overall thoughts on such a thing as i sip my kid size diet soda which is actually pretty big for a kid size that's not a kid size i order kids meals it's the best Oh, I know your plan. You have a strategy. It actually works out really well. But that doesn't look like a kid-sized soda to me. I think they figured out my gimmick in that they only gave me one soda. But I got two kids' meals. So I think they know. (laughs) They just combined both sodas into one. Honestly, good on them. They're not going to hurt you for it. They're like, you know what? She's still giving us a deal. Exactly. Everybody wins in this scenario. But what were your overall thoughts on Dynamite? It was a good go-home show. Um, I don't know. If the crowd was weird. I don't know if it was mic'd properly or not. Because, like, I saw some stuff online. And people were like, the crowd's trying here. And I'm like, doesn't always sound like it. But you didn't... AEW's kind of inconsistent with its miking of the crowd. So Big time. I can't I can't tell if it was just, like, a poorly mic'd crowd or not. But I actually... I mean, there's a couple matches that are just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a good go-home show. I don't ever expect a lot out of a go-home show. I don't know why that everyone thinks it's like a big show. It's like, to me, it's kind of like your, your least big show. They're not going to 
You're gonna do anything yeah, too crazy. Yeah, I think it's 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 kind of tricky because AEW works so long term. You usually have an idea of what's coming anyway. But I think the finalization of what's getting set up is usually something that's pretty exciting. But you're right, and that nobody wants to exhaust their bodies right before a pay per view. Nobody's going to be concluding any storylines right before a pay per view. Maybe you'll get a swerve or two, but we still also have Friday night. So this was like, it's always so weird when it's like the go home kind of. Uh, but let's dig into our opening match. This was your ROH match, as you discussed before, Jericho the Ocho here. Uh, I thought this match was good. I like that it opened the show. To me, Claudio wins here with the sharpshooter. I Him winning makes me feel like Jericho's going to retain, probably. And I don't know if I love that. So, first of all, Jericho really is a wizard. Because while he's on TV wrestling, he's getting eliminated from the Masked Singer on Fox, apparently. So, like, <laughs> this was just, wow. The ability to be in two places at once. That is some next-level wizard shit. That is. But here's the thing, though. I almost want, like, I think he has to retain at ROH for the story I think they're telling for ROH, which is that, what is it, final, whatever they call it? Final battle. Final battle is like if he doesn't go in at champ, it doesn't feel the same. Whereas if he goes in as champ and that's when, like, an ROH guy takes it from him to establish. Because if Tony Khan is, wow, I said Tony really feel you that way. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Right. I was that's the one time I was gonna let it slide. I was like, you know what? I'll let him get away with it. I called it earlier, and it was but the, even a, you caught yourself the most Philly. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's bad when I catch it. Um, <laughs> so when Tony Khan is uh going to get his hoogie, but like if he's telling the truth that it's gonna be final battle and then they're gonna have TV the next year, but this is like the last pay per view before that, then what you theoretically do is this is the pay per view used to set up the TV. And is that where you have, you know, if it's Claudio, if it's uh, Brian, if it's whoever, I think you do that at ROH, not on AEW. But that's just my opinion. That's fair. They just seem to kind of be wanting to establish the carryover here. My hope is that it's none of those guys. My hope is that Jericho wins and somebody comes out and challenges for when ROH comes back or whatever, whether... I keep holding on hope that maybe they'll smooth things over with Gresham. But if not him, I feel like Takeshita would be a really, really fun option. And we're going to see him, right? Um, maybe there's other people in the mix that come out at the end of this after Jericho's retained. It's just maybe it's Adam Cole. We didn't even like that. Yeah. That's, a, that's a huge possibility. I think that could be a really, really fun move, actually. If he's obviously, if he's able to, is a, a big if. But I just think that. They, after this, they've got to give Danielson either a title of some sort or something better to do. Because I felt this way about AJ Styles and WWE. I'm like, how do you make that guy kind of just feel like a regular guy? Like, he does not when he's in the ring. He's obviously still a phenom. But, like, he's just been, like, taking losses and they didn't pay off the Garcia situation. Maybe that comes into play here, too, because he's not in this four-pack, right? I, I've been waiting for that moment. But then you're like, how many times are you going to have Garcia swerve? But like, I feel like Danielson, that initial heel turn was incredible. And it's just kind of like, 
faded out. Maybe now that Mox is going away too, we'll see other stuff unfold. But I really hope that Danielson gets some sort of gold or back on a track where he is being utilized to his potential, which is the greatest professional wrestler in the world. It's like, I don't think that's the case here. Uh, but I feel like we're going to get a lot of storylines winding up in the cycle. And what I love about this cycle in AEW too, is we get winter is coming. And as far as like the in-between pay-per-view specials that they do, winter is coming is always in the two of them that they've done felt so special because we got the sting debut and an incredible show around one, right? We got the one hour Broadway with Paige and Danielson and another. So I'm hoping that as we kind of turn the page, there's 17 titles right now between ROH and AEW. And you're going to tell me you can't put one of them on Brian Danielson. Come on now. So that's my only thing, but I think you're right. If Jericho retains, that's probably the right move. I just hope that TV's around the corner and that there's like a, they've been building to this ring of Jericho stuff, right? He's taken out Riccoboni. He's, taking out crews like somebody that needs to stand up for the ROA side needs to be coming down the pike fast because it's it's getting a little old i will say if, if i i still stick with my original statement because that's the story they're telling however in my head as you were talking just i fantasy booked danielson winning and then all of a sudden sudden you hear adam cole's music hit and then you oh. have an adam cole danielson feud you can still get there from here, right? Like he could dethrone Jericho and Danielson could still be that guy in a couple of months. Oh yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I'm just thinking if Danielson wins, but I still think it's Jericho because they are definitely building. And, it, and actually people are giving him shit, but this isn't a bad story if you're really truly going to relaunch ROH where you have Jericho doing anything he can to destroy it. Oh. And you bring in your ROH guys to be like, this is ROH. It's not... I don't even dislike this from Jericho. I thought the Ocho stuff is hilarious. I'm so sick of seeing the Jericho Appreciation Society and the Blackpool Combat Club in some form or another. Oh, no, that that's done. That needs to end. But I'm just saying, like, in terms of a story, if you're going to launch or relaunch a paper, like a, like an, a company, like they will be ROH, this is a story you tell of, like, Jericho trying to destroy its past and then people coming in being, uh-uh. Yeah, and here. You literally know he can do it he did it with AEW, so like who better in that in that situation i just am ready for let's clear out this feud that's been going on for 900 years but we'll move along to this mox and mjf video package i don't have a ton to say here i'll i'll save my thoughts i guess for the end of the show but a decent enough little video package did you have anything no i forgot about it to be honest with you because of the end of the show yeah, and it was it kind of was inconsequential. It was mostly just recapping what we've seen so far. And then we move on to my favorite thing, which was our friend Darby Avant-Garde in his video. He's back, package. baby. He and Sting versus Jeff Jarrett and the superfluous handspring man himself, Jay Lethal. Uh, Jeff Jarrett spoke for about four seconds in this. And if you're not going to give me zero seconds of Jeff Jarrett, this was the next best thing for me. So I liked this. Um, I don't need this match. I will go to the bathroom during this match if I can time my bladder more appropriately. No, than you're going to go during the women. Let, don't, don't, don't lie. I mean, there's three bathroom breaks right there. Just built right in for me. So, uh, But and any thoughts here? Kind of what we've seen from Darby, the usual of his avant-garde-ness. I'll comment my thoughts when we go over the card for the pay-per-view. I just 
do think Darby needed to take a shower before getting in that car. I think that's a very fair point. I think that's a very, very fair point. So we move along. This was a very promo and video package heavy go home, which is fine and expected. And most of the stuff was good, so I have no problems with it. But we move along to what I think was really fun. We get this rap music video. We see uh, what we kind of normally see out of the Bowens and the Acclaim side here with Max Caster. And then we see Swerve come in and I feel like annihilate a lot of what the Acclaimed had been doing. I felt like this was so much fun. Uh, and this, I think, was produced by our friends at GoPro Wrestling. So shout outs to them. They do a ton of work around here. Um, but I just, I loved every bit of Swerve just undercutting everything that the Acclaim does. And I also loved the match that we get on the back of this. But what did you think of the music video in the first place? Did you hear what I'd call friend of yours got subtly insulted in the match and in the rap? I did. I did. Will Will Washington, <laughs> you got your family in the sheets. Like that was great. <laughs> but anyone doesn't know Will Washington, who who hosts Grab City on Saturdays and Day After Dynamite tomorrow on Fightful Network who's pals with Kate, I guess, because they're both Fight Club members, even though they mm -hmm. shouldn't talk about that. Um, he is cousins with Swerve. Though he's very fair, like, Will's very fair on any, any criticism, so it's just kind of funny to hear, like... He's not even in the sheets. He's in the podcast, for the most part. Yeah, he's okay? like, he very doesn't break rarely news. in the sheets. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't break news. He very purposely so, tries to avoid that. Uh, yes, and he's wise, too. Uh, yeah. but that that was fun to hear in there and i i just thought this was a blast i i love this stuff uh and i just also loved like the dissension of swerve here like he's clearly the one that's gonna go heal this is a blow-off so i also loved that like sometimes you don't need an overwhelming match stipulation sometimes the best way to get at them is stuff like this but it's so fun to capitalize on the fact that both of them uh, on, in different ways, on different levels, have kind of a rap history or not even history, a rap present, I guess. But I also thought this match fucking ruled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this match was incredible. Swerve is so great. Unbelievably skilled. And I loved the chemistry that him and Bowens had. They've obviously faced each other a few times now, but I, I really like the acclaimed... I feel like the face turn, especially despite me not loving daddy ass has been very healthy for them as a tag team. I won't be mad if I see bones have a singles run at some point though. I love matches like this man. Bones is so damn good. Ultimately we get swerve hitting a knee drop and then a modified driver to win. Uh, but I, I just, I don't really have any particular spots to call out. I thought from bell to bell, this was so great. And that Swerve and Bowens just really understood each other's worlds really, really well. And their styles mixed so perfectly. This was just like a work of art for me tonight. What did you think? I really enjoyed the match. Like you said, it was a well-told story. Uh, you know, they, they played into each other well. It is two guys who are very much set up for to be future stars in this company. They're already stars, but single stars if they want to be. You know, Swerve is going that route. And, and if... um. You know, if they want to have um, Bowens go that route, they can. But he's going to tag him because Bowens, this is going to sound cheesy, Bowens has the look. 
Like he's oh, such, yeah. he's got that movie star look to him. So if they put a belt around him, it's gonna look really good, like they did with the tags. I like that Swerve one though, because Swerve is going into single soon. So the singles guy, in my opinion, should almost always beat the tag guy. Sure. And I it think just... wrestling math tells us the acclaimed is probably going to retain, which I think is the right call here. And I think the split probably happens in this blow off. Um, so sort of going over here makes sense, right? Because then the acclaimed will get their victory in, in the right place. But I agree and with Swerve you. Swerve goes single. And then he has yes. his singles win already under him. So it makes sense. Swerve is probably the best non like supernatural creepy psychotic guy out there right now he's so good there's yeah like there's nothing supernatural which i'm glad i had not in he's just you don't know what he's gonna do type character and he's getting he just has his way about him it's, and and that shows the the skill and swerve because when he came in he was the cool guy yes and he kind of still he's still his cool his position like, is cool but like he is in this very much like this mind games mode is is really fun to see I think uh, it's one of the only ways he could turn heel because I think he's pretty over, right? Like, he was really cool. Everybody with his music is doing the Who's House Swerve's House. Like, people want to root for him. So he kind of has to go in that direction a little bit for it to work. In, in my opinion, I think it's a, a really effective way to make him heal. And I'm looking forward to a Keith Lee Swerve <laughs> situation. And this is going to come back up in a few minutes whenever we get to a certain promo. But I am, the more I watch wrestling, the more I believe, you know, the traditional heel doesn't work because people don't cheer or boo the traditional heel anymore. And does, with, like, a, with a smart crowd especially, I would say this is more true for AEW than, than WWE. Yeah, like you might get lucky every now and again with like an MJF who managed for a while until to get booze but it's very hard for a traditional heel to get booze so you're better off just not work like just developing the character better and they fall on the spectrum wherever they fall on the spectrum in the feud but don't worry that they have to be so traditionally heel yeah to be like let him be cool like he doesn't have to be like he the psychotic part of him is the heel part but they didn't lose the cool part of him they didn't lose whatever he's still able to be a more full guy so this way no matter what way the crowd goes they're gonna like they're gonna react and that's all you should care about booze or cheers you just want a reaction sure and i think we talked about it just briefly earlier like danielson to me is the best example of that in the world everyone was i mean it was like punk and him were kind of like on the same level of like holy shit i can't believe this is happening in this company danielson was delivering literal dream batches his first match there was a dream match with kenny omega I was like, there's no way they can turn this guy heel. And they did. And it it's, and you've talked about this at length before too, of like, it's because you don't have a hard reset with an entire person's personality. It's just the way you book them and like subtle shifts in the way that they do things. And it's, it's such a more effective buy-in because it's still a relatable person in the world. <laughs> I will always say, and I'm not a, I'm not a, I've never written wrestling. I've never written a book or anything. I just read a lot and watch TV because I'm a geek. But any character in a book, the way you get them to shift heel to babyface is if you fully understand the character and build the turn within the motivations of the character. They did no, that with please, Danielson. Please keep talking about it. Okay, I'll keep talking as there's some sound in the background. Um, with Danielson, no, he he was a cocky, even as a face, a cocky face. Like he thought he was the best in the world. 
So he just you just tweak it a little and he goes heel and everyone believed it with Swerve. When Swerve came in, he was is still the cool suave guy who believes he's better than everyone. Sim, similar to Danielson, but in a different level. Danielson believes he's better with that, than everyone in like that competitive. I can beat you in the ring. Swerve just thinks he's a better person. And like I think a kind of like Danielson is more the best technical wrestler in the world, and Swerve is the I've got it all guy, right? Yeah. But Swerve, even when he was face, had a little bit of a sadistic side to him. He had a little bit of willingness to do some stuff. So all you have to do to turn him heel is just let that side win a bit. And that's kind of what they've let happen. That sadistic side starts to win a bit more. And when you mix the sadistic side with his thought of, like, I'm better than you, it makes a great heel. What doesn't work is if you have, I'm trying to think of, I mean, there's definitely even AEW been bad ones, but I'm, I'm struggling to just because of it. But there's definitely been bad ones in the past where a guy, well, I'll, we'll go way back in wrestling to when, when Austin turned heel for McMahon. It didn't, the reason it, people hate it, it didn't make sense. You 100% betrayed everything that guy was. You can't do so, like, that's where I, I, I really appreciate what AEW is doing with, with Swerve. They didn't completely change his character in this turn. They've just turned up certain aspects and turned down others. Yeah, and I think that's part of why I love stables so much is it makes it so easy to be the same guy but just be aligned with different people. Like, you can just jump to a different team and all of a sudden you're a bad guy, like, pretty organically if you tell the story right. So I'm with you. Not the case here, but but overall, like, I'm a bad guy because I'm friends with these guys now is a really fun way to go, I think. Well, that's kind of what happened with... um. It's the reverse happened with with the the BCC and, and Danielson. Yeah, he's a good guy because they're a good club. And but then he like, kind of goes and does his own stuff. It's so funny because we've seen so many instances in AEW, especially where just being great at wrestling turned your face. Like your in ring ability, like FTR, it was the same thing where it was just like, they're kind of just faces now because everyone's so sincerely excited for them to have the run they're on. So, uh, yeah, I love it. I'm excited. I'm very excited for the eventual Swervy Keith Lee feud. I think that's not far away. I think we see the start of it on Saturday and I think it's a really nice way to have the acclaimed retain and then hopefully go into a feud against FTR. Which will, even if they drop to FTR, so FTR can have the moment that they deserve, will make them, I think, as a team. Because there's just no way, like, if you run FTR in the acclaimed a couple times, it's going to be, it's going to yeah. be so great. And it's going to feel like, not that they need the added validity, they're the champs, but like, to be. They're the champs in the shadow with, of FTR. Yeah, and now the Young Bucks are back, so. Well, the nice part is the Young Bucks being involved in the, the trios doesn't have anyone going, oh, they, they should have the tag titles. It's like, okay. Right. Yes, that is. A but I'll argue there is no one more over than the acclaimed in all of wrestling. That's fair. It I guess it depends on what your definition of over probably is. Crowd reaction. Chance. Scissoring. I mean, minus scissoring, I would say Sami Zayn is like right there. But... He's right there. I, I mean, I wouldn't say. By no means am I saying they are like, but I'm saying I don't think he's more over than them. He's on their level. Like it's those two, those two, well, three technically, but those three, and then everyone else. Yeah, that's probably fair to say. For right now, I mean, that could usually 
the key for the acclaimed is going to be I actually tweeted this today. Sami Zayn is probably the best at reinvent one of the best at reinventing himself I've ever seen. Underrated. But the, the the key for the acclaimed is going to be when this this iteration dies down. What they're going to have to be yeah, because that's where like the Bucks actually are very good at it as a tag team. They've changed it's been subtle, but they've managed to change their iteration slightly each time. They claim to have to because scissor me daddy ass is going to die eventually. Yeah, and it should. Like that's not yeah. like something that you should hold on to for till the end. It's gonna be fork me brother ass, and then you're gonna oh sorry. Brother tits. Brother tits. There you go. Fork me brother tits. Well, we have a name for the episode. We move along to a segment with Samoa Joe in the ring getting interviewed, and I fucking love Samoa Joe so much, and this is a great example as to why they're asking Joe why he did what he did, and his ability to just make it seem like, well, why wouldn't I have done what I did is maybe unparalleled in wrestling right now. I loved this. He has Joe explaining uh, and asking... If it's shocking that he chose not to be a victim, what a simple fucking way to make it make sense. (laughs) Is it shocking that the most dangerous man in the world, him, took action? He doesn't sit around and wait like most people in this building. I thought was a really nice touch. I loved everything about Samoa Joe's justification of this. We were just talking about heels still feeling like relatable people in the world. Holy shit, is that ever loving relatable? He then gets interrupted by Hobbs, who asks, cool, yeah, but, like, who's been the one that's beating Wardlow's ass this entire time? And Joe says he hopes he bumps fists as well as he runs his mouth, which I love that line so much. We then see Wardlow and the Dark Order, because the Dark Order can never be anything but henchmen, uh, come to the ring, cleared out, Wardlow diving over the top. Certainly feels like we're setting up for a triple threat for this uh, TNT title, but... Uh wait, were the were the Dark Order henchmen in this or were they going to separate the three fighters? I thought they went out to separate and then refused to fight Wardlow because he is a badass mofo. A monster. I guess like they're always I just want them to have their own story. I guess no no, I, I don't like that they're being used but like I don't like them yeah. being used as split up at all, but I just to clarify, I don't think they were with Wardlow. I think they came out after there was just so much meat slapping in that ring that they needed separation. It's just funny that like they're not exactly the biggest dudes in the world to send out there, which I guess was kind of the point in a way. Well, but 10 isn't small. 10 isn't small, but he's that Samojo or Wardlow sized or hop sized for that matter. Yeah, but I mean, well, no, 10, 10's up there. The rest of them are not. He would need to take um, three men, which is something I know you have experience with, but I really liked the segment. I. I'm excited about the possibility of a triple threat. I think Samoa Joe being someone that can guide Hobbs along in a match is a very, very good call from an experience standpoint. I'm just so into this Samoa Joe turn and I am glad he's working heel because I think it'll just be very healthy for the product. What did you think of this whole segment? Okay, first of all, I just realized that if on the Jericho cruise, they don't have a, a drink at breakfast called Samosa Joe. What is everyone doing? Second of all, they had, they always have like they have a pain maker drink that is always named. Uh, but he wasn't around for the last cruise, so like all my thinking is, now that he's around, you can have samosa joes. Well, samosas. Are you thinking of mimosas? 
Samosa. Yeah, I but like, like I know what they are, but like it's a like I kept it for that. Like it's samosa. Well, Joe's, mama, you mama. could just have mimosa. I, mimosa. I guess you could say mimosa joes, but I like the joke. I combined it. Okay, Kate, I was going for the full pun. Fine. Um. So we were just like you said. We were just talking about Joe's heel turn. One hundred percent in line with his character. They just changed which side of his character was was winning the battle. Not a little bit of a difference. That's that is. He might be one of the best at it. One of the worst is also on this show. Captain Insano. Oh my gosh! He's, I didn't even call that out. My bad. Yeah, Captain Insano was in the Acclaim video. Hilarious. Perfect. Captain Insano is one of the worst at heel and face turns. They never made sense. Some, but that's because they never understood his character. Samoa Joe fully understands who he is. And it just makes sense. So anyway, that besides, the only thing I disliked about this segment, and I, and I want to know what happened because I, I don't actually blame the camera for once because their camera sucks sometimes, is they did the clear shot of, you knew Wardlow was coming. I'm actually a little annoyed at Joe. Because you just knew where Wardlow was coming from. It is such standard wrestling that he comes from behind. <laughs> and they had the camera shot of it was facing back towards the ring. So you had Powerhouse Joe, and you were supposed to see Wardlow coming, but it had to hold because Wardlow couldn't get through the crowd. Oh, yeah, so I noticed know that too. I'm like, what the hell? hell? And you can see the crowd staring. I'm like, what ass? And it, to me, in my head, it's like one asshole's in his way right now, preventing this from happening. 100%. 100%. And I'm like, I want to see a video of like, like from a crowd shot of like, because it was very clear. I mean, I don't care when it tells me that's what happened. But I'm also mad at Joe. Joe's smart. He should know he's going to get attacked from behind. That's what always happens in these scenes. It's true. And he's one of the most logical wrestlers in the world. So that's a, a fair criticism. But also Wardlow, he should at least be looking around when it takes that long for him to get to the ring. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, listen, he's clearly not coming out the front. Where is he? By the way, I guess he also had Hobbs to worry about in the process. So that's kind of who like... do you think? Uh, do we do we save our predictions for the when we cover the card, or do we just do I ask you who you think's winning? Yeah, I save it for the card. Okay, we'll do it then. And instead, we will move along to this Britt Baker segment. I have loved the way they've built out this feud the past couple of weeks. It is so refreshing to see Britt Baker being used for something outside the title picture. Uh, and a feud outside the title picture feeling really, really important. We'll go through her and Soraya's pieces since they kind of interlock here and are brief enough that we can combine them. But Britt Baker says four times that Soraya reminded her she wasn't a star and that she's only been here for three years. But Britt raising a really good point here that what has she done in those three years? It's not her fault that she's only been here for three years. In those three years, she's become a leader and leaders take blame and none of the glory. Uh, and that she might have not brought the fight to MSG, but she brought it to Daly's place and reminding Soraya that the industry doesn't owe her anything either. It's Britt's house, which I thought was very fun. And Soraya in a sit down with Renee, who has been absolutely phenomenal in these backstage segments. Uh, I think it's been awesome to see her get used in a variety of ways. I'm so intrigued what happens if Mox and her go on vacation. <laughs> but uh, basically, Soraya says, it looks like there's been enough talk. She is ready to fight Britt Baker. She doesn't want to talk about it anymore, but she does acknowledge in a very sincere way, though a very rushed way, I felt like, 
that she's just happy that she gets to do this at all, that she never thought this day was going to come sincerely. Uh, and that uh, she is just so excited about that. And she wants, she respects Brit and she wants to fight her. I love both sides of this. I think it's awesome. I can't believe we get to see Soraya's first match back live. That makes me so happy, but Brit was almost sounding a little face ish in a good way. Like in a way where she was like, I'm the face of this division. I'm the leader. I really, really liked both halves of this. What did you think? So I actually, when I was talking earlier about the character stuff and said, I wanted to bring it up later, I forgot about Joe. This, this was what I was referencing was Brit's promo. Cause it was an awesome promo. I mean, 100% what they needed. They gave Soraya her hers last week and they gave Brit the response this week, which I like works out better that way. I think sometimes there's two things I love about this promo. One, no one thinks they're the heel in the ever. So there's no way Brit story, looks back. Yeah. yeah. So Brit doesn't look back at this time and think she was doing anything wrong. And she has from day since she got hurt originally when she was in the wheelchair till now always called herself the role model of the company. Like she has always believed she was the face of the vision. Like she's never said differently. So this, this, this promo didn't say any differently. It just was said in a much more favorable manner. However, the healer side to this that I don't think enough people are are acknowledging is not everything she said is true in, in character wise off screen 100 true but character wise she absolutely did not want to lift other women up she absolutely was not so like and i look at it character wise i don't because you can't do the off screen stuff because that's not what we're doing we're doing a show here so i i love that she took a promo that 100 makes sense in a, in her her brain ignored as a great heel does ignores all the hypocritical stuff that they've done but it does also make you like, even knowing that you're still like, you know what? She did wrestle in Daly's place when there was no one. She was she was in a wheelchair carrying that division with Swole. Like she was that person. I'm not knocking Saray. It's the same argument of like Saraya couldn't have been there, but she, if you're if Saraya is going to say to Britt, where were you five years ago? Then Britt could say, where were you during the pandemic? So yeah, it's a well, fair it, argument. It just they both are speaking to each other's real life circumstances, which I think is awesome. Like that's a, yeah. that's how you bring realism on TV is like the stuff that's already public. And uh, I really like that Brit kind of spoke to her legacy about this a little bit. Cause it also makes her feel like she should be the one for Soraya's first match. Like, that's what I like. This felt establishing that it's like legend in the making is- at AEW versus industry legend overall. Like that all came to a head tonight. And I really liked that. That one you just nailed it. That is, this is how you establish that we have two of the top women in the entire industry facing off for the first time, and one of them hasn't wrestled in four years. Like this is this is what everyone wants. Th- this is the match you want to see. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm, I'm I'm excited for the match. A little nervous for for various reasons, but sure. you know, but but very excited. I think like I think. They couldn't have picked a better opponent for Soraya's first match. And I think Britt deserved it. She 100% was the face of that division during most yeah. of the pandemic. And people have similar complaints to her as they do Charlotte Flair, which I, I understand are fair. Not of her, but on the booking of like, they're so overbooked. They're always like, always taking up time on TV, always taking up oxygen. But the reason you invest all of that, and I agree with a lot of them, but like the reason you do it is so that you can get to places like this, right? So that you can 
have like important matches outside of the title because this person is already a bona fide star who's run the women's division. So I loved it. And I also loved Death Triangle versus Top Flight and AR Fox. AR Fox's Dynamite debut, the return of Darius. Really, really good stuff here. I'm going to cut to the end with Death Triangle. Ray gets sent to the ropes, swings back with a heel kick, tags to Penta, and kicks the side of AR. Uh, this match started off kind of all over the place, and then for me, at least, it feels like it found itself super predictable, but very glad to see Darius back. I felt like the commentary went a little heavy on, he has no ring rust, when I was like, it feels like he has a little bit of ring rust, and that's pretty understandable because he kind of hasn't wrestled in three years really but once everybody kind of shook it off i felt like this got going really well air fox is super super fun uh very happy to see him on dynamite television i thought this was a, a blast overall you knew who was gonna win so the fact that it was kind of like definitely wasn't a spot fest but it was definitely not like braun Strowman's favorite match i'll put it that way if you're into flippy do stuff this match wasn't but uh but i i felt like we knew what was gonna happen and what this really was was ar fox on my screen he completely they're saying it in the chat too he showed out he looked great tonight he looked comfortable darius is back and death triangle wins and post-match we get what I think is a really, really fun development that we knew was coming, but I like the way they got there. You have Pac giving a promo and he's saying, we've seen the videos show up. And I just loved that. Cause there's also been some people I've liked the videos. Some people have been like, Oh, what is this crap with this? Like, and I like that. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen the vignettes get on, get over here. Like come fight us. And he said, uh, you may think you've been like, you're out for us, like you're hunting us, but we've been waiting for you. I thought it was a really nice line. Uh, I, I'm so excited. This match is official for full gear. We get the trio's defense, the elite versus the death triangle. I think death triangle has dissension within itself a little bit on how they choose to go about accomplishing their victory. So my guess is the elite is going over here for obvious reasons as well. But I think this match is going to be awesome. We have obviously seen what the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers can do. So that alone should be great. Uh, what did you think of the match? And what did you think of the post-match? Okay. So I'm going to take this a couple different ways. AR Fox is amazing. That dude can go. He's been on Dark and Elevation a bunch. I think he has a win now. I think he beats for Penico. But that dude can go. He's gotten an entrance to there, which is usually a good sign that they're like, into this guy so i'm hoping between roh or aw he gets to make a show because he is supremely talented did i mention that dude can go then you had dante the fuck but that that man he jumps backwards onto the middle rope no hands flips over i think it was pa, who, penta what like how the like I, I almost I was looking for CGI. I was like, what, what are we doing here? This isn't right. I, I do agree at first it was a little whatever, which I think sometimes happens when you have that many yeah, extremely I, athletic high flyers. Like they're trying so much till they, they get a rhythm. But once they hit that rhythm, it's off and running. Yeah, holy shit. Uh I'm okay with like I'd be okay with 
top flight staying a tag team and AR Fox going like ROH or AEW, whatever. I'd also be fine if they were like, hey, AR Fox, you're now with top flight as a, as a trio and you guys can have a bunch of trios matches. Like, okay, I'm not going to complain. Um, the ending, I'm going to say this. There's a lot. I never have a problem with predictable matches on like a, like a TV card because majority of your matches are. It's TV card. It's but the majority of a fight to predictable. The majority of whatever, like you're, you're talking different classes. The things that shouldn't be super predictable are your pay-per-views, your big ones, because that's when you're supposed to have like even stars. But anyway, I love that they didn't make us wait to know it was the elite. Like we all knew, but to 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 not play that game, to not have Pac be like, well, if you show up, you show up and let be like, are they going to? Is it them? Like, I hate that because we all know. It just annoys me. So to have it instantly cut out and do the thing where they just reappear. So excited. I'm so excited for that match. Yeah, this was kind of the best of both worlds and that they confirmed the match was happening. But the surprise or like the return moment is still happening uh, at the pay-per-view, which I, I thought was a clever way to go about it. Because you wanted to set up that match, but you don't want to take the return pop away from a pay-per-view. So, but you want to make money off the fact that this match is happening. So I thought that was a, a really smart call on their part. Very exciting stuff. And other things I'm excited about, Ricky Starks. I love everything this dude does, including this promo. Very quick, short and to the point. He just basically says he kind of actually respects what Archer does and said, hey, let's start the fight backstage Friday. No DQ, baby. Let's rock and roll. Um... I'm, I'm very, very, very excited. I think the obvious clash is going to be between Starks and Ethan Page, and I think that's awesome. I think it's possible either one of them could win, depending on what direction they go. Uh, I, I feel like it's going to be Page based up with what they're setting up in the, the main title picture here. But anything for the Starks promo for you? I'm just so fucking excited to see this guy on my screen every time he's there. I mean, Starks rules. The only thing I have a question of, so he faces... Archer Friday night. Isn't right. there a semifinal? Isn't there another match in between there? That was a first round match. Him wasn't and it? Cage, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so when are him and Cage going to go? That's a good question. Maybe he's doing double duty. Because <laughs> he's going to have to. Because the, the 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 match is at at full gear. Ethan Page versus whoever. Maybe they'll do that on the buy-in. Maybe Starks is going to pull two matches on one card or something. That would allow Ethan Page to win, but protect the shit out of Starks. Yeah, that might be a good now, way I don't to know go. if that was the intentional log or if he did have an injury or some reason he couldn't be there. But that would, in theory, that's probably their best bet is to be like, on the buy-in, you're going to have Starks versus um cage and then starks wins barely like you know he, it's a hard fought yeah he's getting battle. his ass kicked by brian cage that's like a really <laughs> and then he's got to go against ethan page he's got to go from cage to page cages and pages all over this program but we move along to ethan page versus bandito speaking of this tournament uh page wins with a really cool ending sequence, the body slam thing off the top rope into the ego's edge. I thought was a really cool way to go about this. He's so great, man. Ethan Page is great. I feel like there's so much you can do, and I'm going to save that for uh, when we get to the ending segment and we talk predictions. 
But I feel like either Starks or Paige could win in that finals. And we'll we'll talk about possible routes to get there. But this this match was great. Like for two people that I'm like, I don't know, they come from very different worlds in the ring. Sometimes that makes really good situations and sometimes that makes bad ones. Uh, this was a good one. Ethan Page is great. We see Stokely out there. Things are great. Like I, the development of the firm is good. My only thing is like, they kind of had like, William Morris, he's here and a big deal and he's really not anywhere. Uh, but Ethan Page is, is where the gold is anyway. So I'll take it. Predictable. I'm fine with predictable when it's good, especially in a go home. What did you think? You know, Ethan Page is quite good at this wrestling thing. He really is. You know, it's it's he like he can wrestle and talk. It, it, it's like he has, and he has a good look. It, it's just it's just like he was meant to do this, and maybe he should be getting a lot bigger of a push all along. But that's just silly talk, I guess. No, let's um, have some guy slut shame women and speak for him. I forgot about it. Now <laughs> I never mind. I I knew he was doing something stupid, and I forgot exactly what it was until you said that. <laughs> Um, I also wonder where Scorpio Sky is, but that's neither here nor there. I think there's an injury thing there. And then, like, I don't, I have no idea how like far. I haven't heard anything about it in a long time, so I'm just. He's gonna come back face though, so like you gotta. He better. So, Bandino's really good too. Like he's a very good wrestler. So this was a really good match. I like you said. I wasn't sure what to expect. Just sometimes those guys. Some you know when I haven't seen two guys wrestle a lot in the same company, I'm starting to be like. Have they adapted to the styles yet, or the the Especially very Bandito so out of his damn mind in like a good way, but that doesn't always jive with everyone. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. Though, from what I see from Ethan Page, he's more than willing to let other people be crazy and just work around it. Yes, you know, he, he threw is. Darby down a flight of stairs. <laughs> so, no, this is a really good match, and I'm glad for the ending. I'm cheering for Ethan Page to win this tournament only because I think now I fantasy book Starks having a double wrestle. But that contradicts my theory on the MJF. Man, what if what if Starks wins both? Oh. Or what if Ethan Page lays down for MJF? There's a lot of ways we can go, and we will get there. But before we go there, we've got the rest of time I'd like to get through, including this Anna Jay and Tony Storm match. Bunny, unfortunately, was not cleared to compete. She's been battling a neck issue for six months. She's also been doing some crossover work, which is great to see her breaking into the pop culture for the kids, which is wonderful. But Anna Jay stepping up in her place. Uh, Tony Storm winning with a nice hip attack and cloverleaf sequence. <coughs> I thought this match mm -hmm. was... Please name that appropriately. What is it? Sweet Cheek Music. As named by RJ City. Lord Almighty. Uh, and said on commentary. It was said on commentary. It was. It's a cloverleaf. Uh, I thought this match was perfectly serviceable. Like, we knew what the outcome was going to be, obviously. But nice to see Anna J having, I think, a, a bit of a better showing than we've seen. There were, like, some consistency issues. But Tony Storm really knows how to make her opponents look great, too. That, this was a good matchup for Anna J. Uh, definitely an improvement over a couple of her more recent matches. Tony Storm looks great. And then we see Jamie Hayter looking cool as fuck. Come down to the ring after her music hits. Britt's following her. 
Brillo Jason's having a blast out there tonight. I don't know what it was, but like with the sunglasses on and the way she came down to the ring, she looked like she was having the time of her I life. I think she fully embraced to that. not have to be the star in that scene to be like, I'm just here to yell. Yeah, and just like Jamie Hader's so cool. So I'm also cool. It was like just a very, very fun thing. Looking very forward to this. There's a lot of well, just nice to see three women's matches on the card, the proper card. We've seen like a buy-in match and two matches before on the card, which is good because they're like seven hours long. Uh, but like three very strong, well-built stories going into it for the women's division is not something we've seen before. We've seen three matches, usually kind of thrown together or whatever, or it's just like whoever you're feeding to Britt or Jade. This has been really, really refreshing. A very strong kind of history-making non-title match, a great story going into Tony Storm and uh, Jamie Hayter that I feel like Tony Storm retains, but there's seeds of doubt there, which we don't always get, right? That's really refreshing. Is I wouldn't be stunned if Jamie Hayter won. Uh, and then, of course, we have this like fun little silliness that's happening with Nyla Rose and Jade, and that one's a little more predictable, but at the same time, there's been a story. It's been ongoing. There's been repeated segments. It's been productive for Nyla. So really, really good stuff happening here. The only thing that I miss is I wish Athena were on this card somewhere because I just like seeing her wrestle. But what did you think of this match? And how are you feeling about the women's division going into the card? Have you seen what they've been doing with Athena, by the way? Yeah, it's awesome. They leaned into that BS that she got for no issue of a match with Jody Threat, who 100% is a hard-hitting match wrestler so like bald people and she's been doing fantastic work as a heel did you see her um I, i'm sorry i'll get to the actual match but i just need to rave about athena for a minute did you see what she did with kayla sparks thing on twitter when they, yes, they had the match I graphic i was dying <laughs> like that like shit like that is really well done so while i do want athena on the card i i am at least appreciating they have been developing the shit out of her on dark which Again, prefer it on TV, but I don't mind that they're honing in this character so that when it comes up, there's there's something there. Agreed. The match itself, the match itself was good. Um, I'm glad you explained the bunny thing because I didn't see that and I was curious because I was really looking forward to see the bunny wrestle again. I hope I hope it was just a minor setback. She's 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 a lot of fun. I I, I feel bad that she's not able to wrestle. Um, she's still good as a manager, but I I, I want her in the ring. I think she added a lot to that division, but Anna J did have a good showing. Uh, she, uh, she needed one. She's still working on her character, which I think is steadily improving, but they need to figure out. I know you're not a huge fan of it, but they need to figure out. Is she just crazy? Or is she trying to play the, the, the Tay mellow thing? If she's trying to play like I'm the pretty Tay mellow thing. You can't do the crazy thing. Like they're, they're yeah, one or the other. Work. Pick, she should I like, be the, the gal that's choking people out, in my opinion. Like, yeah, that is who I, she should be leaning into. It's that, so like, I love when she's just saying everything. I'm going to choke you out. I'm going to choke you out. Like, that is making me laugh in a good way. Like, in, like, this is a fun character. It's not good when it's like, oh, I'm hot. Now I'm going to choke you out. Like, yeah. You're trying too much. You're uh, too and, much like, we've got eyeballs, Anna J. We know you're hot. Yeah. You don't have to go yeah. out of your way to tell us. We know yeah. Jungle Boy's like, a lucky man. Yeah. <laughs> Except for when he's facing a dinosaur. Um mm -hmm. Tony, I don't, I mean, I think Tony Storm's going to win, but yeah, I'm with you. That's one of those things. And J Jimmy Hayter looked like she looks like a real threat. And I'm also with you that if you, if this had been their women's division all along, we would have never complained. 
Yeah. If you were giving me three solid feuds with some supplemental s- stuff happening elsewhere, sure, I would have been because because Athena is being built to to naturally step into something. You yeah, have... and we've seen tag matches with we've seen Sky Blue, we've seen a, a huge rotation of talent as well in the process. Don't forget, you still have Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander coming back, who are two of the best and Ruby. in rings and Ruby, yeah, and Ruby. Like all See. great in ring workers that you can plug into anything when they come back and, and they'll lift and up. Mercedes the Martinez is finally coming back. Yes, that's exciting. I'm very curious to see what happens with that that ROH women's division because and we've added Willow, right? Like there's so many pieces now. Uh it's really, really encouraging to see. So yeah, very so, excited, again. very encouraged. This is the first time it's been, I think, encouraging and this well sustained and this much of a full court press on things being great in the women's division. So we close out the show with essentially a promo battle between Mox and MJF. And I really liked this. I'm so used to go home shows being a melee. <laughs> like, oh, a few gang wars. Gang wars, shocker. But this was refreshing. I really liked this. I would say Moxley is ready for vacation. There were a couple of flubs where it looked like he was maybe just a little tired here. But well, I, real quick, I, I, I don't want to point out the flub. What I love about Moxley is he flubs and he's just like, yeah, I flubbed. And I'm just, he, he, he corrects yeah, himself. Rules. Like, like he, like I hate when people try to pretend they didn't flub. That's not normal yeah. conversation. Yeah, you would catch, like he also said, "When's the favorite Saturday, Sunday?" Like it is, it's how people talk. Like you said, yeah. but ultimately, Mox says that he is obsessed with fighting. He loves to fight, and that isn't admirable. Like that's not something that should be cheered, but it is who he is. <laughs> and I really liked him calling out some things about MJF's trajectory, including that he's a very good singer. He also says that he pulled a Pillman and returned in a Halloween mask and won the dumbest ladder match ever. Sorry if he isn't shaking in his boots, but I really liked that part of the story of how can I be scared of you when you've never actually like done anything that shows that you're up for the challenge of winning a world title wrestling match. I thought that was awesome. We get the firm coming out and attacking. We get MJF running them off. We get some CM Punk nods in here. He like says to John Moxley while he's lying there, hopefully as uncomfortable as he can be a paraphrase of that, but he's also not sitting Indian style, but certainly scratched down in the corner close to it, which I thought was fun. Um, but MJF does his job really well here. He says that he needs that belt more than he needs food or oxygen. So he's willing to bleed. He's willing to break bones. I thought that was all awesome stuff. And he also says that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making him think he didn't exist. And I love that he leaned into the fact that Moxley isn't acknowledging that MJF is the devil, right? This isn't like denying that the devil exists overall. This is denying that the devil exists within MJF. Um, I really, really, really liked that. And uh, MJF kind of gears up to do his catchphrase. Mox grabs the mic and says that he never really understood the hype about MJF, but we're going to find out this weekend. That's basically what we go home with. I kind of dug it. I thought it was good. I felt like it put some final touches on the bows to the story. What did you think of the ending to the show here? So, I, I mean, I'm with you. I liked, I liked Mox, what he said, and, and the way he called out MJF, because he, he did a good thing of building MJF while also insulting MJF. I think that's very important. You can't ever bury your opponent completely, and he didn't. Um, 
this is reaffirmed my theory about the firm, but reaffirmed my theory about the firm. Didn't mean to do that pun, but I walked into it. Uh, MJF's response was great. I do love that as he was about to say his catchphrase, Mox took the mic. I love shit like that. So this is this is this is very exciting. Listen, MJF's going to win, but it's not. We said earlier, predictable is okay when it's good, and this is good. This has been built so well. I would also say there's seeds of doubt all of a sudden for me, not just because of tonight, but I was thinking about this last week. You have the breakout tournament or the eliminator tournament right here. I still think MJF is walking out champion, but what I will say is there are fun alternatives. You could have Mox retain and turn around and lose to Ricky Starks. You could have Mox retain and turn around and lose to Ethan Page. And all of a sudden, you have a babyface MJF, because I'm assuming you got there via somebody else's shenanigans, right? You could go with the story that MJF finally tries to do the honorable thing. He's not using the dynamite ring. He's not using uh, any cheating tactics. He's not eye-raking anyone. He's going to win it honorably. And when he tries to, the firm costs him, or somebody from the outside costs him. All of a sudden, you have a a face MJF. Now, I would say it's silly to not put the title on MJF, even if you're going to do that. But it's also interesting that you could very easily and very logically have Mox retain, turn around, and make a star out of Ricky Starks or Ethan Page. And the crowd would also be very excited, I think, about either of them being world champ too. And you could also have Ethan Page, you can have turn around and lose it to MJF, but they don't really psych us out with the title picture. I kind of prefer it, and I do think it's MJF's time. But when I'm looking at this Eliminator tournament, I'm like, this is kind of fun, right? Like, there's so many ways you could go with this that I wouldn't be mad about any of them because I love Ethan Page and I love Ricky Starks and I love MJF and I love Mox. I do think it's time for Mox to go on vacation. I do think it's time for MJF to have the title. But Mox could hold on to it for two more weeks and you could have him turn around and lose to someone else. So uh, I agree with you. The next step very well could be like uh, MJF having played everyone all along. It is what he does best. I've heard some people saying that maybe William Regal is the one to be on MJF's side all of a sudden. If Mox is going away, Danielson doesn't really need him. Cesaro or Claudio certainly doesn't need him. Um, there's a lot of different ways they could go with it. And I'm excited about basically any of them, which is a tricky and unique thing to pick up. I am, and I love Mox. And I think this has been such a great case study for how valuable he is to the wrestling industry. I think it is time for him to go away, uh, for a little bit, not because of anything he's done, but because of how much he's done, uh, in no way. God damn it. But just like. He was champ when Punk was out with injury, and then he came back, and then he was champ when Punk was an asshole and had to leave the company. So, like, it's also part of the start, stop, start, stop in general. But I, for the first time today, or this week, I feel like, was like, I think MJF is leaving champion. But I also wouldn't be mad with the alternatives that kind of leads us into what the rest of the card is. So we'll just start with that for now, I guess. John Moxley, MJF, how do you see this shaking out? MJF wins. The firm helps. 
It's been all a, a swerve, especially now because I'm now predicting that they're set. The reason they're making things even harder on Ricky Sarks is they because they want us to believe that Ethan Page is going to come out winning that, which you would make you think even more that the firm is not with MJF. All setting up for this swerve. MJF uses the firm to win the belt and reaffirm his heel nature. I don't have a problem with that idea. I feel like that could be very, very fun. I also think a Starks MJF program signed me the fuck up. That sounds really fun. Let's do that. AW World Tag Team Championships, the acclaimed versus Swerve in our glory. I'm going acclaimed here, and I think we start to facilitate the split between Keith Lee and Swerve. What do you think? I'm scissoring myself. Um, yeah, no, you got to go the acclaimed because I don't think it's. I, I would. I mean, I'm, listen, I can talk myself into Swerve in our glory if it happens, but I'm much more excited for their split at this point, just because I really want that feud, and I don't think long term their most successes as a tag team. And I think the acclaimed then lose the belt to FTR, so I'm looking for the acclaimed to win this one. That's where I'm at. Interim AEW Women's World Championship, Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. I'm going Tony Storm here. Wouldn't be stunned if it was Hayter. I think Britt costs Jamie Hayter in the process, though. Your thoughts? 100% agree completely with what you just said. I think it's it's Jamie. I think it's Tony Storm. I think Hayter has a chance to win, and I think Britt gets jealous. And I think Britt costs Hayter out of jealousy, and that's their split that everybody's been wanting to happen but now it's done because brit has directly hurt hater when haters only helped brit i think that's real fun and i also think the title being out of grasp for brit and in grasp of jamie hater is also an incredibly natural thing for brit to to want to hurt her for so that's a fun one your ROH world championship jericho versus danielson versus claudio versus sammy guevara i think Jericho retains. I think there's major issues between Sammy Guevara and Jericho. And I think Daniel Garcia is sniffing around this in some way, right? He's got to be there. I don't know how he interferes, who he interferes with, if he comes out at the end. But to me, part of the story is the lack of Garcia being in the story after he just like reaffirmed his allegiance to these guys, right? What are your thoughts? Well, they're trying to trick us with the story of like Sammy seeming to be a little confused as to why he would just give the win to Jericho. And I think that's a that's a false flag operation there. I think Jericho's winning. That's my prediction because I think he has to lose it final battle. But I think they're setting us up to make it, you think that Sammy's fighting Jericho only to hand Jericho the win at the end. That is a fair thought. You're big into the false flags. I feel like we're being deceived all over the place here. But I think that's what they try to do now. It's pro wrestling. I get it. TBS Championship, Jade Cargill versus Nyla Road. Gotta be Jade, right? Yeah, as, as great as this Nyla thing has been, it's Jade. Do you think anybody shows up in the women's division? I think it's early for Statlander. Like, agree. Statlander, there's right? just no way she's she's healthy. Uh, then you have Ruby already lost to Jade, so like it's not as big of a return. Velvet pissed off that they replaced her in the baddies. Mm-hmm. Could, could do that if she's ready. Uh, yeah, you, there's just yeah, there's just no one out there. I think that has that like. There's so I mean, she's clearly gonna have another challenger. I guess my thought is there's no one out there that you, as soon as Jade wins, that you then bring up on the screen. So. Like, yeah. 
So that's very fair. Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Luchasaurus in a steel cage match. If Jungle Boy doesn't win this, I don't understand what the fuck you're doing because he's basically gotten squashed this entire feud. That is 100% my agreement there. What do you do? Like, listen, no offense, Luchasaurus, you're not the future of the company that Jungle Boy is. He needs to win this feud. Yeah, and I think that'll be maybe a little bit more of a sleeper than people are realizing. I think that's actually going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I think the match is going to be great, but Jungle Boy has to win it. Agreed. Soraya versus Britt Baker. Soraya's got to win in her return, right? Yeah, you don't ever have someone like this lose on their return, and Britt can take the loss. She's going to be going into what we predict as a feud with Jamie Hayter, so she doesn't need a win for that. And they did confirm a triple threat for the TNT title, so what do you think happens there? I think it might be Hobbs' time. I'm going to say... This is the one that I'm going to I'm going to play with a little bit. So stop taking my my wild prediction from me. That was my prediction. It's not I think wild. It's my wild goddamn prediction. This is how you get the belt off Wardlow, which I think they I don't I think they regret giving the belt to Wardlow not because anything wrong with Wardlow is I think they pretty regularly realize they want him in other stories and the belt for him has almost been a hindrance because what is like he, he can't lose it quick like he he had to, you had you had to buy time Hobbs could lose it in two matches and no one would say anything you couldn't do that with with Wardlow so that's not a knock on Hobbs it's how each guy's been built Wardlow was built to have like this monster run I would give it to Hobbs I wouldn't cost Hobbs in two matches I would Hobbs re, have Hobbs reinstate the open challenge and just beat the hell out of guys for a while okay. and then you have someone Come and take it from him. I hope it's Ricky Starks. That's why I hope. <laughs> I think their last chapter to their story should be Ricky Starks winning. I feel like Ricky Starks with the TV title just makes too much sense. Our trios championship that got set up tonight. I think the elite goes over the death triangle. I think there's dissension within the death triangle. And I also think we see the return of House of Black as maybe first challengers or something here. What are your thoughts? The elite. There's like they were always like they were the the first champs because that's who they wanted the the belts to be on. Circumstances took that from them. I think they want to go back to the stories they planned on telling with them having the belt. So it's absolutely going to be the elite. Sure, and I think maybe Pac and the Lucha Brothers. In my opinion, and I have, I think they're awesome as a trio. But I think they're more valuable being a veteran, incredible tag team and and a guy you can put against any opponent in any feud as a singles guy rather than they are as a trio right now. And the most important match on the card, the most important match maybe in the history of wrestling, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Sting and Darby Allin. Your thoughts? Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Darby turns heel. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that would at least give me something to hold on to. about. I got bored and needed an exciting pick, and that is now my exciting pick. No, and I it's a reasonable one, too. I could see that happening because um, you also give Jeff Jarrett like some, some love in his 
return to yeah, the well, This should be his only match. This needs to be his only match. Give him his match with Sting because they have whatever history together. I get all that. Boom, you did your full gear. You're gone. Yeah, and I just, they got to do something with Darby. Like, so a heel turn, I think, would be very, very fun. The chapter of I'll kill myself to win could very easily turn in I'll try to kill you to win. Like, you've you've kind of echoed that, that, that in is, the past. That is the Darby I'm looking Like, that's a cool heel turn. Yeah, I think it'd be really fun. And to your point earlier, doesn't have to make a lot of adjustments. So that wraps us up. We'll don't really have a ton of news and notes, but as I'm here on Fightful Select, there are a couple of things that I will read out uh the plan. You're not on Fightful, You're not on Fightful Select, Kate. I'm not streaming on Fightful Select, but I'm logged into the website of Fightful Select. Okay. <laughs> uh Don Callis and the Young Bucks were backstage tonight, so even though they didn't appear, they were backstage. Darius Martin returned way sooner than most people expected. Many people thought he was going to be out until 2023. So just for those of you keeping score at home, he had had an injury. He healed. He came back for like a minute and a half and they got into an incredibly severe car accident where they didn't know if he was even going to be able to walk again, wrestle again, live a normal life again. Um, so very, very encouraging to see that. Uh and Anthony Bowens may have aggravated his shoulder in tonight's match against Swerve. They can't say fully if it's legit or if it's being worked into the story. So um hoping that Bowens is okay. Like very, very much so. And I would I'd still have them win either way. Because yeah, then they can just so. drop the belts to FTR at some point. You like could if, always if, just if free bird it with Billy Gunn. I'm okay with no. that. I will, I will scream. I will scream. I know. That's why I'm okay with it. I will scream inside of a suite. <laughs> oh God, that'd be so funny. But that just about wraps us up for tonight. I'm so looking forward to Saturday. I think it's going to be an absolute blast. Saturday. If you're there, please find us before or after. I know many people. Do not in our find crew. us during. No, find Matt during it, please. Uh, but I'm, I'm so excited. I, it's going to be fun to see everybody in our circle in a suite, having fun. Um, and please do turn into the shining wizards podcast on Monday. We are planning their 11 year anniversary. They never have missed a week. It's an incredible feat in my opinion. Uh, and we're going to have a whole bunch of fun there. We'll plug, uh, Matt as well for the Bread Club, which is a very, very fun New Japan show that is happening on Fightful Overbooked. And Ryan, where can the good people find you? In a suite watching Full Gear. hey You can find me working our Twitter at Mark Order Pod on Mondays and Tuesdays. I live tweet Dark and Elevation. I'm probably going to do a better job of that. I've been kind of slacking just because I've been very busy. Yeah, but I'm not busy. Step I'll it up, Ryan. How dare you? How dare you but anyway i am still watching still live tweeting a uh, lot of great indie wrestlers you should all watch that show but that's where you can find me mark order pod you can always talk to me there just don't be a dick i don't like dicks well but no um and that's about it Catherine. Uh, i don't know uh Catherine on the show but i can tell you where i'll be darn it I'll also be in that suite at Full Gear on Sunday. Monday, as I said, on Wizards Podcast, at Wizards Podcast on Twitter. 
please support them the best you can. They have a Patreon. They have a wonderful Discord community that I have started being better about going in again. So please, please hang out. We talk about wrestling. We talk about music. We talk about everything under the sun. There's a fitness channel. There's so much going on in there. Really great group of people in there. So go ahead and join that. Tuesdays, I'm on the Sour Graps NXT post show doing whatever the fuck we do over there <laughs> on Fight Not covering YouTube. wrestling, it feels like. No. Uh, well, it doesn't feel like we're reviewing a wrestling show. So six, one half dozen the other. Uh, Wednesdays, I'm right here at Mark Order Pod when I can be. And Fridays, doing the AEW Rampage and SmackDown post show on Fightful YouTube as well. Also, behind the paywall for any pay-per-views that are coming your way. We're headed into a blessedly scarce season, which will be a nice break because WWE after Survivor Series won't have anything going on until Royal Rumble, but we will be doing the ROH Final Battle pay-per-view post-show behind the paywall. So WWE doesn't have a December one? No, and they're they're not doing day one this year. They're cutting back on some of those in-between ones. They usually blow out the like the Madison Square Garden house show that they do. To make it yeah, feel but they, special, but they they had that. Some... That's really stopping their twelve one a month thing. Then yeah, they and they announced that they're they're doing that, which is a very welcome development in my world. But they're they're scrapping some of those intermittent ones. I was surprised they took away day one because I felt like it was actually pretty successful. But I'm encouraged that they're giving breathing room going into Royal Rumble season. So we will see. But those are all the places you can find me. You can find me at at Miss Kate Fabe on Twitter and TikTok and Instagrams on Instagram as well. So please have a wonderful full gear weekend and we'll catch you next time. This concludes the Mark Order Podcast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Join the Mark Order.